0: Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Dominique Hill coming from St. Mary Mercy Hospital for another case cast with Dr. Montisciolo, our stroke director here at St. Mary Mercy Hospital, and also our medical student clerkship director that is here to talk to us about uh, large vessel occlusions and stroke. Welcome, Dr. Montisciolo. Thanks for having me. And as uh, Dr. Hill said, I'm uh, Michael Montisciolo. I'm an emergency medicine physician at St. Mary's, and I am. Part of our core faculty and at the medical student director uh, in that capacity, but I'm also the physician uh, liaison and stroke director for our hospital. And as such, I've taken on the role uh, with our team of developing new treatment processes for uh, improving stroke care at our hospital. And one of the nitices for that is the advent of new treatment modalities in recent years for the treatment of ischemic stroke, um, particularly uh, thrombectomies. So since these treatments are relatively new compared to the um, prior treatment paradigm of TPA or no TPA, uh, we found that there are a lot of process improvements that needed to be implemented to get patients these newer treatments in a time-sensitive fashion because these treatments are just that time-sensitive, as the old adage goes. Um, time is brain, time is tissue. So we, our goal was to raise awareness for these new treatment options and also to mitigate any barriers to the timing of implementing these treatments. Because what we found when we... when these treatment um, options first became available to us that there was an urgency seen in patients that are a TPA candidate for ischemic stroke. That same urgency wasn't necessarily present in patients that might be a candidate for thrombectomy. And that lack of urgency may lead to longer uh, length of stay in the ER and ultimately delayed time to treatment. So over the last year, we've developed three different QI projects in order to um, improve stroke care. Um, The goals for these uh, QI projects were to raise awareness for the new treatment options themselves and also to identify the patient population uh, that is amenable to these new treatment modalities um, and make sure that the identified patient population um, occurs in a rapid, Process and the access to the treatment, whether it be transferred to a facility capable of performing this or in house, um, occurs in a uh, rapid fashion. And also, a big part of our process is the education of the providers and staff that are going to be implementing these changes. So, we kind of, when we initially decided how to first broach the subject, we thought it best to identify a uh, few factors that were the rate-limiting steps and the barriers to the identification and treatment of of these potential patient uh, populations, and then ultimately implement a new treatment algorithm to help keep the, uh, the process streamlined and consistent throughout uh, from ED visit to ED visit. So some of the factors that we saw were leading to kind of uh, longer longer length of stay and longer treatment times were the actual rapidity of the assessment of the patient. So we'll get into that when I talk about the algorithm, but uh, making sure these patients undergo a rapid neurological assessment. Also involving consultants for our hospital, it's the Michigan Stroke Network, which is a statewide neurology-based consulting program that plays a large role in the logistical and ultimately the actually medical treatment of these patients, and then also quickly obtaining advanced imaging, particularly uh, CT angiograms, to identify large vessel occlusions, and then the actual logistics of transfer because thrombectomy isn't available at our particular shop. So basically what we did was we created a treatment algorithm to identify patients that may have a large vessel occlusion and that would be amenable to thrombectomy. And we subdivided the patients into basically two different treatment subgroups, those that are TPA candidates and those that are not within the TPA window, so symptom onset uh, greater than four and a half hours, but still within the last 24 hours, and move them rapidly through our treatment algorithm. So basically, like I said before, there was always a sense of urgency when a patient presenting with stroke symptoms comes in within the TPA window. So symptom onset, less than four and a half hours. We had a process in place where it's a code stroke and we would, there's everyone moves with a sense of urgency in order to potentially administer TPA in the most timely fashion. But these patients that have um, potential large vessel occlusion could be amenable um, for thrombectomy if their symptoms are present within the last 24 hours. So we want to make sure that those patients didn't slip through the cracks and they get treated with the same sense of urgency. So basically when you come into our ER and you have stroke-like symptoms, particularly if your NIH stroke scale is greater than 6 or you have cortical signs, meaning hemiparesis, hemineglect, um, aphasia, and your symptom onset is within 24 hours, even if you're outside the treatment window, we call it a priority stroke, and um, the patient is moved to CT as quickly as possible. And from there, any patient with that fits that category of the NIH greater than 6 or cortical signs um gets not only a dry ct so it's a non-contrast ct head but they also get a ct angiogram of the neck and head and the goal of that is to identify a potential large vessel occlusion and also i should kind of touch on that concurrently while this is happening um, our goal is to involve our consultants early on in the process and so we we Page Michigan Stroke Network, while this is going on, so that there's no delay in getting them involved once we do. if and when we do identify a large vessel occlusion, so to kind of back up, if patient is in the TPA window, symptom onset is less than four and a half hours, and they have stroke symptoms, we bring them to the CAT scan. The same process goes it rings true if they are within 24 hours and they have cortical signs or stroke scale uh, greater than or equal to six. And from there, if they're a TPA candidate and the, there was no bleed on the dry scan, they get TPA because getting TPA does not preclude you from being a candidate for thrombectomy. So that's that. And then they're transferred out for possible thrombectomy. Now, if they're not a TPA candidate, it's relatively the same process. They get brought back for the CT and CTA. They aren't a candidate for TPA. So that's kind of taken off the table. But then if there is an identified large vessel occlusion, in concert with Michigan Stroke Network, we plan for them to be tra- transferred in a expeditious manner to one of our local um, tertiary care centers that is able to perform thrombectomy. So a big part of this process was getting everyone on board, like prioritizing these patients that have symptoms less that have been ongoing for less than 24 hours. And these are major stroke symptoms. So... We've educated the nursing and ancillary staff as well as the residents and the staff, and really tried to hammer home that the that time is brain, and identifying these patients um, is super important. And um, we've noticed a sig- significant decrease in our length of stay and like ultimately, door to treatment times by getting them the advanced imaging as quickly as possible and really prioritizing these patients much in the same way as we would the TPA cases. And we haven't found any issues as of yet where even the patients that are TPA candidates, um, you know, we get the CTA imaging while we're preparing to give TPA so that um There's no delay in administering the TPA, and they still get to the ultimate, uh, more arguably more definitive treatment of thrombectomy as quickly as possible. So after implementing all of these, kind of basically creating a new priority system for these patients with stroke symptoms less than 24 hours, uh, emphasis on rapidly obtaining advanced imaging and also rapidly involving our consultants. We've noticed very significant um, decrease in times for both like door-in, door-out, as well as door-to-treatment times and door-to-CTA times, all of these measures that we've been measuring. So overall, it's been a a pretty well-received process improvement. You know, we hope to continue to see improvement as people become more and more comfortable with these newer treatment algorithms. And as more treatment modalities present themselves, we hope to kind of use these process improvements as a standard or a baseline to continue to implement practice improvement measures and ultimately save lives, save brain, and improve outcomes. So that's that's kind of where we're at and looking towards good things for the future. Well, Dr. Monticello, this is all great information. You've gone over our protocol here and uh, QI projects that you're doing. All sounds like you're a very busy person. (laughs) Yeah, all amidst, uh, uh, there's always a lot going on. So I really appreciate you taking the time to have me and um, look forward to be back on again soon. Thank you very much, Dr. Monticello, and thanks for tuning in this week on another episode of Case Casts. Bye-bye.